Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 25 on how God blessed Isaac. But even with God's blessings, we can still have problems, and we'll look at some of the blessings and problem examples that we see in the Bible. Now, this message is available for free listening and free download at friendshipwithgod.org and also on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now it's Tuesday, and we're one week into the Summer Blitz. It's a campaign that goes to August 4th to reach lost Jewish people. We're sending out 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries, and Tom Cantor is the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, and he's a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as a Jewish person who got saved and received as Jewish Messiah. He wants others to be saved and reached, so he's sending out on DVD his life story and conversion testimony, as well as a combination book that incorporates three of his writings— his personal testimony, and his Frequently Asked Questions book with 34 of the top Frequently Asked Questions by Jewish people, and Prophecy and Fulfillment book with 194 Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ as his Jewish Messiah. Now, you can have these same materials and support Jewish evangelism with a donation of $40 or more, and we'll send you a copy of these materials. You can help reach the Jew first with the gospel. Call us now at 800 247 3051 800 247 or go to friendshipwithgod.org to support this Bible teaching radio program or israelrestoration.org. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God. Okay, I'll read you another one. Genesis 26, 14 through 16, and verse 20, verse 27. You tell me what problem. 14 through 16. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him, envied Isaac. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than us. Verse 20. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water's ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, because they strove with him. Verse 27. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? What was the problem? <laughs> That's right. In our lives, when God blesses us, we're not going to have problems with Philistines. We should expect problems with Philistines. <laughs> okay. Another way to put it is conflicts. He had conflicts with people. And, and so, that, so, so that means when it says that God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac did not have problems with conflicts with people. Now, I'm going to read another one. Genesis 27.1. You tell me the problem. came to pass that when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim so that he could not see. He called Esau's eldest son and said unto him, My son, he said, Behold, here am I. Okay, what was the problem Isaac had there? He had health problems. He had physical disabilities. He had, so when it says that God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac had no problems with his health or physical disabilities. I'll read you another one. Genesis 27, 6 through 10. You tell me what problems Isaac had. Genesis, okay. Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now therefore, my son, Obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock, fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats. I'll make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. What was his problem? Sorry? A conniving wife, a dishonest wife who tricked him. Otherwise spells marital problems. 
So when it says God blessed Isaac, that did not mean that Isaac had no marital problems with a dishonest wife who tricked him. So when we look back over the words of verse 11, where it says God blessed Isaac, and then look at Isaac's life, we can see that God blessed Isaac, and Isaac had fertility problems, problem with a child who didn't love God, had no use for God, problems from the lack of food, problems for the fear of his life, problems with conflicts with people, health and, 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 and physical disabilities, and marital problems. So with all those problems, verse 11 still says, God blessed Isaac, which for us means God, when God blesses us, it's not going to mean that we're not going to have any problems in our lives. As what God's blessing does not mean immunity from problems. As the Lord Jesus Christ said, these things in John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you should have tribulation, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. See, God's blessing, it brings a peace in the midst of our problems, as it says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Paul says, but thou hast fully known, in 2 Corinthians 3, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 12, speaking to Timothy, he said, thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, came to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, God's blessing does not mean we will not have persecution, afflictions, and problems. But he's going to bring us through those persecutions, afflictions, and problems. And what we've seen in this little excursion in the life of Isaac's life is that Isaac, with so many problems, we can, see, we can see Isaac is going to develop for us into a man of suffering. See, the three patriarchs work out like this. Abraham was the man of the works of faith. Isaac was the man of the sufferings of faith. Jacob was the man of the struggles of faith. And it's interesting, when we think about Isaac, he's the only patriarch with one wife. It's interesting. He was totally satisfied with Rebekah. It says he loved Rebekah. Isaac did not suffer from a shredded heart like Solomon did, where it says in 1 Kings 11:1. but King Solomon loved, says loved, many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites. See, Solomon loved many wives, even though God warned through Moses that the king of Israel should be especially careful. Don't do that when it says, and Moses told them in Deuteronomy 17, 17, Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. But there was a problem in in, in that Isaac, see the problem is this, Isaac did not romantically court Rebekah to win her heart. At the point where she fell madly in love with him. You know, she, Rebecca was not going to say the words of Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon 2.5, I am sick of love. She wasn't love sick. She's not going to say Song of Solomon 2.14, let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy countenance, thy, comely, thy countenance is comely. Song of Solomon 4.7, thou art all fair, my love, there's no spot in thee. And Song of Solomon 4.9, thou hast ravished my heart with one of thine eyes, with one chain of thy neck. Song of Solomon 5, 4, my beloved put his hand by the hole of the door. My bowels were moved for him. And that's, of course, the one that's repeated often, Song of Solomon 6, 3, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. See, Isaac 
was madly in love with Rebecca, but you can't see that Rebecca is madly in love with Isaac because Isaac never romantically courted Rebecca. He didn't take the he he, he didn't ignite the fires and and, and of lovesickness in Rebecca and then asked her if she would marry him. You know, there's a time for romantic courtship, and it's not after you get married. It's before when the woman is asked if she'll marry him. But Isaac didn't court Rebecca with romance to light this, this fire of being sick with love and when she fell madly in love with him. That was a problem for Isaac. And whenever there's an arranged marriage, I've seen this before several times, when there's no romantic courtship of the woman to light the fire where she falls madly in love, that creates a problem in the marriage because the wife feels that her feelings of love have just been disregarded. I know of several couples where this is the case. There are problems. I know of one husband who didn't romantically court his wife, but it was decided by his family and her family that this would be a good wife for him. And today, he, he wants her to be madly in love with him, and he's fallen all over with the I love yous and everything, it's, and he, because he never romantically courted her before they got married. I know of two men who made the announcement to, to, the, to the, the women they wanted to marry when they said, I think it's God's will that we get married. Now, that's not exactly romantic courtship. That, that, that doesn't leave the, the woman with being madly in love. You know, the I think it's God's will that we get married is about as romantic as a sterile draft notice <laughs> saying you are needed in the service of your country. Right? Marriages like that, they can work, and they do work, but so often there's just not in the wife the spark of being madly in love. See, when a man falls in love with a, with a girl, he does and says amazing things over the top, you know. I remember Cheryl told me, when I remember doing this, when we were dating, that I told her, I said, if I was a weaver, I would weave a wreath of kisses for the top of your head. <laughs> I thought, and I thought, a wreath of kisses? I thought, not, not bad, pretty good. I, said, I thought, watch out, Solomon. All right, so anyway, there's something to be said for romantic courtship, and I'm not sure what should be said for romantic courtship, but there's something that should be said for romantic courtship. Anyway, so it says that Isaac loved Rebecca. In Genesis 24, 67, Isaac brought her into his mother's tent and uh, took Rebekah. She became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It never says that Rebekah loved Isaac. God blessed Isaac with those, anyway. So when we consider the person of Isaac, Isaac was a weak, pliable person who wasn't manly. That was not Isaac. He wasn't manly. In this regard, Isaac stands in contrast to Abraham. Abraham was firm. Abraham was a manly type of person. Isaac stands in contrast to his son Jacob, well, especially to his other son Esau, but Jacob also. Hey, Jacob's a very determined person. He's going to get married to Rachel if it takes him 14 years. And he's manly. But compared to, to Abraham and, and Jacob, Isaac is just different. He's just not that type of personality. And he comes in between Abraham and Jacob, and he's a kind of a contrast to his father Abraham and to his son uh, Jacob, who's got all this determination and firmness and manliness. With that type of person that, that Isaac was, it, his, it, it's just natural for his faults to kind of come to the foreground and his good qualities to kind of fall to the background. And Because Isaac as a person, he's reserved outwardly. And, and, but inwardly, he's strong in God. And Isaac was the son of Abraham's dead body. And Isaac is the son that should have died. You know, Isaac can never forget the memory of the knife drawn over him that can never be extinguished from his, from his mind. But when we think of Isaac's weak, reserved personality, and we read in verse 11 that God blessed Isaac, 
It shows us. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 31. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, not are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just a moment. We'd like to encourage you to be a part of Jewish evangelism and reaching lost Jewish people around this nation with the Summer Blitz that Tom Cantor, the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, is supporting with 110 missionaries going out to 14 Jewish cities in the U.S. and Canada. Now, that started this week, and we'd like you to support us financially to help get the gospel out to the Jewish people. To encourage you, we are offering Tom Cantor's life story on DVD as well as a combination book of his personal testimony, frequently asked questions that are asked by Jewish people, and 194 prophecy and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of this information in one book will give you both of these resources and materials for a donation of $40 or more, which will support this Bible teaching radio program and the gospel going to Jewish people. Call us now at 800-247-3051, See, Isaac was weak. He had a lot of problems, but God chose him, and he made up for Isaac all that Isaac was not. Isaac, in his weakness, found everything that he was not in God. And those verses are interesting because it talks about all that we are not, and therefore God chooses us. I mean, we're not wise. We're we're foolish. We're not strong. We're weak. But then those verses, after they make clear all that we're not, go on to say that the Lord Jesus Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, So in the last part of verse 11, we are told where Isaac has chose to live. And uh, it says that he chose to live by the well of Lahiroi. Now, Abraham's tent, or Abraham's camp, was primarily in the city of Hebron. And the flocks grazed in Beersheba. But here we see Isaac has chosen to live by the well Lahiroi. Now, this well of Lahiroi was Hagar's well. Because this was the well that, that, that God spoke to Hagar. And, and we saw earlier that, that, that he, he liked this place. He was there when Rebekah came, and he met Rebekah at Lahiroi. But more importantly, the well Lahiroi was the place where Isaac met with God. It was a solitary place. It was a place of, of seclusion. And Isaac, he loved solitude. He loved seclusion. Because that was Isaac. He was a man that took time to consider. He was a man that loved to contemplate. You need quietness. You need to be alone to do that. And we think of the well, Lahirei, and what God said to Hagar there. It was at that well when Hagar thought her life was over and she was going to perish along with the unborn child in her in the desert. And God found her and said to her in Genesis 16, 10 through 11, and the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, behold, thou art with child and shall bear a son. See, they didn't have ultrasound in those days, so he didn't know, so God told him. And you'll call his name Ishmael because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. See, when she thought, just at the moment, she thought, my life is over. Then God came to her and told her, your life's not over. 
You're going to have a son, and I'm going to multiply him. So what does that represent for Hagar? Vision. She thought her vision was death by the well, but God said no. God said when she looked at her circumstances, she saw death and her no vision for her future. But when she heard from God, Hagar then saw life and vision for her future. See, for those reasons, Isaac loved this well because it represented life and vision to him. And like Hagar, when Isaac looked at himself, he saw death, he saw no vision for the future, but that well represented for Isaac a looking away from himself and to God in whom he saw life for himself and vision for his future. See, that's the same for us. When we look within ourselves and our circumstances, we see death and we see no vision for our future. But when we do like Hagar and Isaac did at that well of Lahiri, then we, we, like them, we see life for ourselves and we see vision for our future. And we need the vision, as it says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, there's a question for you. Can you think of any reason why that well of Lahiri was not an easy place for Isaac to be at? You give me a reason? Why do you think it, yeah, Ken? Yeah? Okay, because of memories in the past, that's right. Because, because of Hagar and Ishmael, you know. And uh, who was Hagar and Ishmael to Isaac? Who was Hagar? She was the bitter rival enemy to his mother Sarah. And Isaac loved his mother Sarah deeply. And yet it was this, is at this well that, her, that, that his mother's arch rival and enemy received life and, uh, the message of life and vision. See, this was Hagar's well. Hagar hated his mother, and his mother hated Hagar. And Isaac chose to live at Hagar's well. That was not easy for Isaac, old pal, old buddy boy. It wasn't easy for him to go live at Hagar's well, where her son Hagar had mocked him and wanted to displace him. See, for Isaac's life, it would have been a lot simpler if there was no Hagar. It would have been a lot simpler for Sarah if there was no Hagar. Sorry, it would have been a lot simpler for him if there was no Ishmael. But it was at that well where Ishmael was announced. You know, God gave the birth announcement for Ishmael. He's going to be born. God gave his name. He's going to call him Ishmael. And his future is secured by God. It was as easy for Isaac to live by Hagar's well than it would be for an Israeli to live by the place where Al-Qaeda was born. You know, Hagar and Ishmael are not neutral characters in Isaac's life. Isaac was loyal to his mother, Sarah, and Sarah hated Hagar, and she hated Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael were the arch enemies of his mother, Sarah. And since Isaac was so tied to his mother, Sarah, that made Hagar and Ishmael Isaac's enemies. But verse 11 tells us that Isaac lived by her well. And Isaac lived at the enemy's well. He would live at no other place than Hagar's well, than his enemy's well. See, for Isaac to live by Hagar's well took a lot of humility for Isaac. If Hagar's well had had so many bad memories, as you said, Ken, for Isaac, with the establishment of his arch enemy and rival and his mother and, and so forth, why did Isaac choose to live there, of all places? Because that was the place where God spoke to Isaac. And if Isaac wanted to be in the place where God would speak to him, he had to go there. Isaac had to put away all his feelings of hatred of his enemies. Isaac, for Isaac to live at Hagar's well meant that Isaac had a tremendously difficult choice to make. 
See, Isaac had to choose between holding his grudge against his enemies, Hagar and Ishmael, doing that, you walk away from the place where God speaks to you. Or the choice is you bury your grudge against your enemies and you go to the place where God speaks to you. See, Isaac had to make this decision, and and the decision was just how important was it for Isaac to hold on to that grudge against his enemies because because Isaac's future with God was on the line. And and when the last part of verse 11 says that Isaac dwelt by the well, the high we we see that Isaac chose God. And and, and, And if it meant bearing his grudge against his enemies, so be it. That choice that Isaac made when he dwelt by the well, the high rate, of choosing God over his grudge, over his enemies, is exactly the choice that the Lord Jesus Christ presents to us when he said in Matthew 5, 43 through 45, you've heard that it's been said, you shall love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. That's Ishmael. He's cursing Isaac. He hates Isaac. Pray for them to spitefully use you, persecute you that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. See, the Lord Jesus said in those verses, we are to make that hard decision to love our enemies just as Isaac made the hard decision to to love his enemies, Hagar and Ishmael. And the reason we're to make the hard decision to love our enemies is the same reason Isaac chose to love his enemies. So we and Isaac can be the children of our heavenly Father. And so we and Isaac can be the children that are in fellowship with our Heavenly Father. The choice between holding a grudge and not holding a grudge against our enemies is really a choice. You want fellowship with God or not? And for Isaac, that was an easy decision. He chose fellowship with God and therefore loved his enemies. That's why we see Isaac dwelling by the well of the high in verse 11. He decided, to, I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to my feelings of revenge. This week I heard of a person who um, was fired from a big organization, a Christian, and he said, I've been praying the wrath of God down on that organization, and I've been praying that I get to see it. That's not exactly loving your enemies. <laughs> and Isaac decided to die to himself, and, he was, he, and, and his justifiable feelings of anger toward his enemies, Hagar and Ishmael, in order to, but he said, I'm going to die to that because I want to meet with God. And so I'll be over here. Just look me up at Hagar's well. The well, the high roi. Now I come to verse 12, where we're told the generations. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's handmaid, bare unto him. These are the generations. Here's this phrase. These are the generations. Commonly used Hebrew word for generations, teladot, and which comes from the Hebrew word yalad for children. In 1 Chronicles 1, 28-30, these are the teladoth, the generations of Abraham. Genesis 36, 1, these are the teladoth, generations of Esau. Genesis 37, 1, these are the teladoth, generations of Jacob. What this is showing us is that God is taking notice of the generations. It's showing us no one vanishes from history without an accounting. No one will vanish into annihilation without an accounting. Like it says in 1 Peter 1.17, you call on the Father who without respect to persons judgeth according to every man's work past the time of your sojourning here in fear. Now verse 12, we say how Hagar is referred to as the Egyptian. And now we'll have in the next three verses the names of the grandchildren uh, who become the Arab peoples. See, by calling their grandmother Hagar the Egyptian makes them Hagarites, Hagarites, which is how they are identified in 1 Chronicles 5.10, where it says, Saul made war with the Hagarites. They all came from her. And these people became the people who populated, as it says, from Saudi Arabia up through Syria. And it says in verse 13 that, that, that they had 12 princes, like Israel has 12 princes. 
And now we come to the summary of the life of Ishmael, where it says in verse 17, these are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years, and he gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. Another tremendous day of teaching here on the Friendship with God radio program with our Bible teacher and born-again Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, Tom Cantor. Now, as we've been mentioning all week long, the Summer Blitz Jewish Evangelism Campaign is continuing throughout the U.S. and Canada. And it goes out to 14 U.S. and Canadian cities to reach lost Jewish people in major Jewish cities. Now, we want to help bring the gospel to the Jewish people first as the scripture commands. For example, in Romans 1.16, that we should bring the gospel to the Jewish people first. And we're doing that with 110 missionaries from Israel Restoration Ministries working all summer to reach lost Jewish people door-to-door, trying to go to over 700,000 residences to reach lost Jewish people with the gospel. Now, we've got a copy of these gospel materials, Tom Cantor's testimony on DVD, as well as a combination book of his personal written life story, as well as Frequently Asked Questions book by Jewish people, and Prophecy and Fulfillment of the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ book. All of these in one book. You can get all these materials for a donation of $40 or more, which will also support our Summer Jewish Blitz campaign to reach hundreds of thousands of lost Jewish people. Now, you can call us at 800-247-3051 for a donation of $40 or more. We'll send you these materials. 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org to donate and support Jewish evangelism, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Israel Restoration Ministries, go to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org, or again, call us with your donation of any amount at 800-247-3051. And again, for a donation of $40 or more, we'll send you all those materials from Tom Cantor, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.